Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. And welcome back to Micromobility. I'm Oliver, and uh, I have with me, as always, Horace. How are you going today, Horace? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm in uh, San Francisco this time. Uh, it's been uh, uh, a, few, a few weeks of travel for me. I, I, last week, I, I was in, uh, in Copenhagen for the Micromobility Summit. Yeah. It was the second ever, and would love to talk about what... what 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 uh, what we learned there? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it was um, it was it was amazing watching all the stuff come through on Twitter because it sounded like you had quite the collection of uh, of uh, leaders and thinkers in the space, um, including Michael. Yeah, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. Michael Naka was there. Um, Steve Anderson was there, and uh, 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 Winston Kwan, who is actually an academic, he's he's a professor in uh, he's Canadian, but he's teaching in. Uh, in in Scotland and uh, a few other people who are uh, we were we we had on stage and also we have we had an audience that was like uh, pretty you know a pretty competent audience we had we had a lot of people from from the industry uh, from from either scooter sharing bike sharing Europe US. Uh, we had uh, it, it was it was a very 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 good uh, audience and yeah. engaged quite a bit. <clears throat> awesome. Um, we you know Anderson gave a talk on uh, safety. Yep. And that was really well well received. We should probably talk about that at some point also in more detail. I'd love to. I think I think it's probably valid given both of our histories of crashing things. <laughs> it, it was it was interesting because his. Uh, you know he's a phys- he has a physics uh, perspective. I mean he's an engineer, but he he looks at the at the dynamics and the physics of of micromobility. And and so last year he did he did a a, a, a talk about how the eco- the physics of micromobility or electric drive in general uh, favor favor the 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 smaller and slower vehicle because you have uh, for especially for a motorcycle, you have aerodynamic drag, as really uh, is so strong that uh, that it, it it doesn't make sense to go fast. You, you you don't have a lot of storage for battery, and you 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 have a lot of wasted energy for fighting the air and so on. And it was it was an interesting way to look at it. And and uh, anyway, uh, we should do a safety show at some point in the future, but. I also want to talk about some new material that I was able to present. Yeah, awesome. Uh, the first thing I did was I defended the categorization of micromobility at the 500 kilogram weight uh, or, 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 or mass, point of mass. And, and I did it by, by illustrating the, uh, the, the weights of cars and, and kind of just took a sample and and you can see and, and while I was preparing this, I, I kind of learned the one interesting point. Although weights of cars have tended to grow out, uh, go upward, and and you see, you see, uh, you can do a before and after of various brands, whether they're, you know, uh, the classics like the mini, the mini of yesteryear and the mini of today, or something like a Volkswagen Beetle versus uh, a low end Volkswagen today. Or even a Toyota Tercel, and you can see how cars have gotten much heavier, and uh, typically also bigger. And also, you can see how we have the SUV as the most popular, or crossover as the most popular form factor now. We have pickup trucks as the most popular in the U.S. Uh, uh, as a single vehicle type, and as a result, you can imagine cars are, are getting bigger and heavier. But one thing I learned was that there is a upper bound to vehicle weight because actually the uh, regulations usually stipulate that if it's above a certain weight, I think in the U.S. it's 6,000 pounds, so it's about 3,000 kilograms, um, it, it, uh, it, it's classified as a, as a truck. It's classified as a, you know, let's say a commercial vehicle. And so these classifications are global and, 
and as a result, also roads and other infrastructure is is uh, limiting. Uh, you know, you can't cross certain bridges. You you can't uh, uh, you you know you can't be accepted into certain facilities if you're too heavy. And so you have uh, you you have some upper bound constraint. But what's happening is that the lower bound is going up. The upper bound is fixed. The lower bound is simply that no one's no one's making anything light anymore. And this is why the 500 kilogram is actually uh, that that point is actually half uh, of what typically a new car uh, will will uh, will weigh. And in fact, the, the the lightest vehicle I could find that's in production today is the Smart for Two, the smart car yep. from Daimler, which is tiny. It's only for two people, and it it is about 750 minimum. I think there's about 800 kilograms. And it's it's remarkable that it weighs more than a Fiat 500 did, and that was a car for four people uh, back in the 1950s and 60s and 70s. Even. Mm. So you you know it's an interesting point that that it, I feel safe putting that weight down there, and and in fact it gives you probably at least 300 kilograms of 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 gap. To the nearest car, so so it, it's like it, they can't. The car can't come down, and and this gives. If you say the limit is five hundred, and it, there's no no real uh, uh, no real overlap at all with what what cars are going to be uh, in the future. Yep, that's a, that. I think that that was validating my 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 premise, and also the the you know looking at the weights. I, I searched the weights of people around the world. It turns out that actually it varies by continent. Uh, so you, you have Americans are <laughs> you, don't want to go no, into that true. Horace. <laughs> no, 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 it's true. I mean, Asian the average weight of of Asian people is about sixty kilograms. Every weight, uh, average uh, uh, weight of uh, uh, Americans is closer to eighty. So it, it really is a big difference. And and uh, you know, so Europe is somewhere in between. And 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 I was trying to figure out what we when, when you talk about weights of people, you know, what should I use? There's a global average, but that's probably skewed towards the lighter persons because there's more Asians. But generally, um, the the, uh, the 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 figure I stuck with as kind of it's not just the person, but maybe what they may have is uh, things they want to bring into the car with them, so or the vehicle. So you have your bags, your your groceries, your 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 even a child you can consider sort of as a, a additional yeah okay. uh, an accessory <laughs> <laughs> exactly but it's like you know because you can't just say well the average person is 60 pounds or 60 kilos and we'll just molt you know but but let's say 100 let's say 100 for for uh, a person plus plus uh, plus other things and and they might need to bring along with them and and of course the, there's going to be distribution you know by by uh, some standard deviation, but my my assumption then let's let's say let's say a hundred median um, required to be transported, and and then the question is why do you need something that's a thousand kilograms? That's ten times the weight of the pa- of the passenger, and and their and their you know their their accessories. It's phenomenal how to you know why we have to build. I was standing around just watching cars just today, and I was noticing how they're all basically four passenger or more. Yes, uh, there's very few cars that are less than that, um, and and they're all generally only occupied by one person. So we one way to even think about it is like why the car would be a lot lighter if it was designed for one person, but we design cars for four to six people and it's puzzling to me because the 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 why not have you know uh, this this micro vehicle for daily commuting which is 90 percent what you might be driving and then you have a bigger vehicle that you're going to use for these occasions when you need to carry people i it's spectacularly wrong to me to think that we, we need to ship so much metal around and so much weight 
as a result. It's so inefficient. I, but they, I completely agree. I think a lot of that is tied to the business model though, right? I remember just you going and doing the job to be done an analysis on a SIM car and you were talking through the fact that like, you, you know, you're going to buy this car, you're making a one-off purchase, it's going to last for three years and you end up kind of like defaulting to, well, <laughs> you don't want to be stuck three years in and then realizes like, oh, I actually needed the extra seat or whatever it was. And but because it's not, you can't like, I think there's this really interesting intersection here of where you'll see the, the business model evolution and the fact that we can start doing sharing. And all of a sudden, you'll see a ma- massive proliferation of vehicles that actually do that because it's like, oh, yeah, well, I just get the vehicle rightly sized for me at the time that I need the job because I don't have to tie up heaps of capital in it. Um, but anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, people will buy, will buy Six Sigma capacity they'll they'll buy something that is uh six sigma refers to six standard deviations away from the median so they're they're going to buy something that is used one in a hundred thousand times and this is possible uh, i'm not saying it's wrong but what i'm saying is that there's no no viable alternative that you can substitute usually because you if you're going to purchase one vehicle for thirty five thousand dollars let's say you want it to cover all the possible cases of its uh, you know of transportation needs you may have over the lifespan that you think that vehicle is going to be in your possession so uh, we we've gone over this before but the the uh w- what I was trying to do with the talk was sort of uh make it simple and easy to visualize and you say okay we have the 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 object needs to be transported as a person their weight is about 100 kilograms yep. and we have no no one's making a car less than 10 times that person's weight. Now, um, that was the first talk. And then the second talk I gave, that was sort of to kick off things. And the second talk I gave was to quantify the the opportunity that exists if we're willing to create vehicles for smaller, uh, you know, smaller vehicles for, for shorter distances and this is this is the the uh, going back to the log normal distribution and i i you know i hate to i don't hate it let me that's the wrong word i you know there was a book um a brief history of time written by uh oh who was hawking? That, that stephen hawking, hawking. Yeah. yeah stephen hawking yes yeah. and this was out in the 90s i think and and he had a funny phrase right at the beginning of the of the uh, I think in the introduction to the book, he said, um, I've been advised by my, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, I've been advised by my editor and publisher that for every equation I insert in this book, I will lose ha- half the audience. <laughs> and, and, and so he, 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 was, he was saying that, you know, I, I'm willing to take a chance by by actually writing this one equation now, which he did, I think it was something like EMC squared, and 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 I am very sorry for those uh, half the people that are now going to stop reading this book, but uh, but I feel compelled to have to you know use this at least one equation at most you know, you know uh, in this book. So he, he 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 reserved himself to one equation. Now what I'm doing is I'm I'm similarly introducing one mathematical function which is this this log normal you know knowing possibly that i'm going to lose half the audience and <laughs> I, I refer to it that's okay i i i i play i will be very happy to be the layman to try and uh, interpret this for for the rest of the audience who don't understand it because i i think i get it so so we'll we'll proceed on that basis and i'll ask for clarifications well, it's, if it's, need a, it's a simple uh just just to, to once again reintroduce it, it, it everyone is familiar with the normal distribution which is or or let's say the gaussian or the bell curve bell curve this, this yeah yeah you think about yeah the bell curve is where where you understand that uh you know in the middle is the most common uh let's say the height of people or the weight of people um you're going to have a, a middle point where the bell curve is highest and that's that's the most common and most popular or the the most likely weight or, or 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 height and and then you're going to see with the curve you're going to see the the probability or the likelihood of of other weights that might occur and so it drops off and and if you go far to the right you're going to see you know very few people who are 
um, you, you know, way, way twice the, the average. Okay. Yep. And then, and then in the other side, you're going to have very few people who are way half the average that that's a normal distribution. And it's, it's used in all kinds of uh, measurements of people and things in life. And, and, you know, we kind of assume that someone, when someone gives us a figure that says, okay, the average speed is this, or the average, uh, 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 you, you know, uh, uh, size of a house or the whatever it is, you think of it as kind of shaping that way. I mean, the average is only the middle point, but you're sort of guessing and putting in your head the assumption that, okay, there's probably a shape to this curve. So average test scores, average all kinds of things that, that are, 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 we're in a society that, that, that uh, loves to Left to have statistics to 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 give as as uh, evidence and and so we usually get the one figure and the the figure of uh, averages and so we assume in our heads that the shape of this curve is somewhat uh, uh, symmetric around that average so half is half is below and half is above now the point I'm making and this is why I'm belaboring this is that when it comes to transportation when it comes to travel distances, it isn't like that. When someone gives you an average for travel distance, you're not going to have half the half of the uh, uh, distances below that point and half of them above. That that the, 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 it's skewed so far to one side that that it, it, the the average is somewhat uh, you, you know it, it's like a, a curve that's. That's a normal curve, which is symmetric, but it's going to kind of squash so that it, it it's closer to zero. Sure. Uh, the the peak the peak is very close to zero. Now, I illustrate this in the talk, and in this this the talk I I titled it uh, when micromobility attacks, and the idea behind it was that let me show you the the evidence. Let me show you all of these modes, and this is this means. Uh, from cycling mode to driving mode to walking to trains to buses to motorcycles to scooters to mopeds you can you can imagine 50 of these sure right? sure yep. collected them for different countries and they all have the same shape they all look like they're the this 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 uh, normal curve that's been squashed up against zero or, or close to it now as a result that means that the trips the trips people take are predominantly short trips, and then I started to ask the question: Okay, so trips in the United States, there's a number of trips that we know exists, and this is because there's a there's a survey, uh, census survey, that uh, asks people how how often they travel and and how far does how far can come come from that, and how 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 long are the trips, and how how uh, how the um, how many uh, person miles and how many vehicle miles can this is all statistics that are collected and so if we take the actual figures and we know the distribution that means that we can quantify and say okay there's there's in this case trillions of miles and trillions of trips that are being taken by americans and globally you can you can guess it's a number, multiple of this yep. uh, tens of trillions perhaps now if you if you imagine then that the the uh, the distances traveled are predominantly short distances, and you multiply that probability by the actual number of trips, you can get something around the the uh, the total miles that are taken for short trips, and then you can find out the point where where let's say half of the trips are short and half of the trips are long. In other words. If the car were some were, were were used only for certain long distances, and another vehicle was used for only short distances, at what point and how many miles is that threshold where half the trips or half the miles traveled are short uh, are are by the new vehicle versus the existing vehicle, and that's called the parity, the point of parity, where where. Again, the the if you had a new vehicle, and it was only good for short distances, not a very good vehicle, but only good for short distances, how many miles would be the threshold where the the new vehicle would 
be driven or 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 or, or used as much as the existing vehicle. So, so, so just me, just me... just before we get into that, yeah. so just to clarify, what you what you what you're saying is sort of you're looking at all the trips that are taken, and at the moment, the vast majority of them are taken in the cars because that's sort of the monoculture, especially in the US. Like that's what pred predominantly people use to get around, though you're looking at all trips and you're saying of that what's the sort of halfway point at which you'd say actually a scooter would probably make more sense for us to do because it's a short trip around town and you know i'm thinking of a practical anecdote but you're sort of you spend your entire time circling the block looking for uh parking or, or something like this and it would be like well i'd actually be better off to go and use a scooter for that trip because it would be better to be able to actually transport me that distance and then on the other half there's a sort of a point at which the scooter becomes kind of a you know the distance would be too fast so you're better to use the the car is that is that sort of how you'd be thinking about it that's how that's how consumers are going to make the decision yeah i'm trying to be very very kind of uh just taking the numbers that we have and for example knowing that uh, in the U.S., uh, there are four trillion person trips taken, right? And that uh, there are two uh, trillion, uh, you know, uh, uh, vehicle trips taken. Now, if let, let, so, let, let me just put a number out there. If you decided, okay, I think scooters plus bikes plus you, you know quadri quadricycles are are going to be good at up to fifteen miles. And let's just call any any distance under 15 miles addressable yep. by these vehicles. Okay, so that's the addressable market, because these are no good above 15 miles. In fact, maybe really tough to get to 15 miles at all. It's and, and again, I apologize for those listening in, kil in, in kilometers, but you know, it's it's a long distance uh, to think about 15 miles, and you know, if you're going slowly, um, but but even walking, you can do the same thing. You say, well, you know. Any trip trip below half a mile is probably comfortable walking. Yeah. But anything above that is really uncomfortable. So, so uh, especially given that time budget that we. Yeah, I was going to ask how how so if so if we is there a sort of when you say fifteen miles is there a specific um, speed that you would expect those trips to be taken on those bikes or right. scooters or something? I, I I would because in, in fact we know that the speed e-bikes this s pedelec yep. is rated to about 30 miles an hour in fact it's 45 kilometers an hour so it's about 28 miles an hour if i recall correctly but it's pretty close to 30. now yep. that means that that now it may not sustain that for for the entire journey yeah but that that overall speed limit may also creep up a little bit but let's assume that that means that it at the at that sustained 30 miles an hour it would go half an hour would be 30 it would be the 15 as a result then the marchetti's constant saying that well let's say you take two trips a day yeah then then your budget for for time with the vehicle at that speed of 30 miles an hour is 30 miles and so if you have a vehicle that can deliver 30 miles in one hour then i would say that it it's it's adequate at this uh uh you know as as being serving that point and it's hard to imagine that these vehicles are going to go 60 miles an hour it's hard to imagine they're going to go <laughs> much faster than 30. yeah i, I just think micro mobility ought to be limited i'm not giving it that limit but i'm saying it's likely that 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 they will be limited in speed yeah but that means that the car is going to be just fine because it's going to be hired for trips above 15 miles now so so the question i was asking let's make the cutoff of 15 miles so micro mobility is addressing less than 15 and yep. cars are addressing more than 15. now the question then is how many miles are being driven above 15 and below 15 and this is the, these are called vehicle miles traveled and we know the entire amount available and because we know the distribution of those miles according to this function, we can start adding them up. And here's where it comes down to. Let me let me summarize it for you. Um, if we if we look at at the uh, zero to six miles, and then this is this is the the zero to six is maybe what a scooter is capable of doing. Yeah. Okay. That number is exactly <laughs> this is four hundred and twenty five billion 
397,584,867 miles. And this is, it's a little bit ludicrous. Of course, this, this is a false precision I'm giving you. Yes, yes. It's about 400, 425. This is simply taking the probability, multiplying by the, uh, the total number of trips and therefore the distance those trips are taken and all this other stuff. But it generally comes up to, to this huge number. 425 billion miles are below five, uh, six miles uh, total. Now, between six miles and, or I should say, between seven and 15, mm -hmm. there's 612 billion miles. And then above 15, there's over 1 trillion miles, 1.06 trillion miles. Now, this last number, 1 trillion miles, is what the car is going to keep doing. The only question is what happens below 15, right? Now, if you took those two buckets I mentioned, 425 and 612, you add them together, yep. you actually get 1 trillion below 15 and then one, about 1.1 trillion above, okay? So let's say they're about the same. So that's what I mean about parity. At 15 miles, you have half the miles are done below that and half are done above it. And that means that if a vehicle, if you actually uh, moved moved all those miles to micromobility, they would consume about as many uh, miles as the car. Another way of think about it, thinking about it, is that if all of these trips are done by car today, it stands to lose about half of the miles that it currently serves. That's a, and that's an important question for an automaker or the entire auto industry instead of saying, are you seriously considering that short distances will be done by something other than a car? And if so, then because of the distribution being again, a little bit lopsided towards zero, that means that only at 15 miles, we would lose half the market and therefore half the dollars. And this is where it gets interesting uh, because the talk continues. The talk continues about dollars by saying, well, not all miles are costing the same. And the reason for that is that if you get into a taxi or even if you take uh, an Uber or, or even a, a, a ride with, with, uh, uh, with, a, with the micromobility service, usually you have a, a, a higher cost up front, right? You, you have a, a dollar to start or $4 to start. I don't know how much a taxi, usually, you, you know, the first mile is the most expensive mile, and so you can you can put a, a, a you know a function in sort of how quickly does the price per mile drop as the as the miles traveled increase, and so by multiplying through with this function, you'll realize that actually this is the this is the the shocking thing is that the short distance miles I just referred to the the below fifteen mm -hmm. those those will will cost the user or the revenue for the provider of 1.4 trillion dollars and the miles above that that is reserved for the car because they're long distance yes are only 1.1 trillion dollars so so just so i can clarify so because i i went and did a little bit of math really quickly as, as we were discussing this so of the zero to six and the seven to fifteen if you take that all together and then you divide it by the, num by the number of people in the population in the US, it's approximately about 3,000 miles a year per person, mm -hmm. which then is about 8.5 miles a day. And when you were saying, when you calculated per person per day, which, you know, that, that, that sounds about right, like ballpark figure. And then, um, because that would be kind of the combination of all of the short trips-ish that would be done in a day, the, that. Um, and then from there, you'd take that and you'd say there's $1.4 trillion. And how did you calculate that number of how that would be valued? Okay, I, I apologize. I didn't dig into that. Uh, but this is, this is the data I used to, to calibrate the cost per mile. Yep. First of all, there's a, a figure that IRS uses. It's an internal revenue service. And I think if you had a similar... Of similar uh, authority in UK or in or in New Zealand, then you'd say, okay, I have a I have a, a car I use for business. Uh, I I wish to deduct a certain cost for those miles traveled, sure, uh, kilometers tra traveled. Yeah, and you'll see that there's a consistency around that number. 
Uh, and also, if you try to work out how much uh, your car is actually costing you, it's pretty similar to that number. Because, you know, if you include the depreciation, insurance, uh, uh, repairs, maintenance, uh, uh, tires, all, all the consumables, everything that goes into that car, ownership, cost, and you divide by the miles traveled, you'll get to that in taxes as well, by the way, you get to that 50 cents a mile. And, and so, so the 50 cents a mile is what the IRS uses, and it goes up a little bit, like 51, 52, 53 cents a mile, so on. Yep. It goes up with inflation. But then again, the UK would be similar in pounds and so on. Uh, and and, and that, is, that is the kind of the average that, the, that you can use. Of course, if you yep. have a, a very economical car, it might be cheaper. If you have an electric car, it probably be, will be cheaper. Uh, but, uh, but then if you have a truck, it's going to be more. So this is an average figure. But if you were to ask on a service basis, like, look, I'm going to get in the taxi. How much are those miles going to cost me? Well, there's data from New York City. I actually pulled the data for taxis and I pulled the data for City Bike, which is the, the bike share system there. And, and you can calculate, given the data that's public, how much. Do it. So I'll give you an example. The first half a mile. Yep. If you're only traveling a half a mile in a New York taxi, it, uh, it costs $18. It's very expensive for the per mile because you, you're probably going to pay six dollars, but you know we're we're measuring per mile. Yep. If you if you're taking one mile, it's about twelve dollars again because you you got the starting point, and um, and then you you've you've traveled one mile, and that's going to cost you twelve dollars in New York City. If you go to one point five miles, it goes down to about ten. If you go two miles, it's about nine dollars. If you go three miles, it goes about uh, eight, seven to eight dollars. And so you see how the, the, the cost, as the further you go, the, the, the miles get cheaper. And uh, city bike is actually a lot cheaper because it starts at $3 if you go to half a mile. So what I did was like, I, I asked, what, is a, what would be a micromobility average price for, the, for these first few miles? And then by, I would, I'm guessing by mile, mile six or seven, it's going to go down to 50 cents, which is what the car costs. And that's going to stay at 50 cents all the way out to, you know, hundreds of miles. So the, the whole point is, is what is the shape of, this, of, of the curve that drops? And so I started again, uh, I started at three, $3 because that's the city bike in New York. Yep. And it drops to, let's say, uh, after three miles, it drops to about $1.50. After four miles, it drops to about a dollar and five, you know, you know, six miles. It's it's on it's uh, sixty five cents, and then it gets to be fifty cents, about seven miles. And this this was the the, the curve I, I I used for pricing. This is the price curve, and then you multiply the price curve by the miles. Okay. Yes. And then you, so you start with miles, and then you have dollars per mile, so the miles cancel out, and you're left with dollars. Yeah. So you 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 multiply these two figures together to get. Again, uh, in the aggregate sense, to get this this figure. So, what do what are all these buckets of miles going to be worth? The buckets of miles under fifteen, which is again we defined as potentially addressable by micromobility. Yep. That bucket of miles are going to be priced at one point four trillion dollars based on the micromobility price curve. Again, starting at three dollars a mile and they're dropping to fifty cents, and that fifty cents is still carried on beyond 15 miles for the car because that already is what what the price for a car mile is so now we end up adding up those miles in the car bucket and that's 1.1 trillion dollars so already now just looking at dollars per mile and therefore the the value of this addressable market not just the number of trips not just the number of miles but the number of dollars that are going to be captured or potentially captured by by micromobility is about 30% higher than all the dollars that are going to be left with the car. So here we are again asking this important question. The car is going to get half the market if you're measuring miles, but it's going to less than half the market if you're going to measure dollars. Again, it's a big assumption that this 15-mile market will go to this new mode, but it's still an important provocation. And Now, the story continues. Because beyond dollars, there's also another way to think about money or to think about value, and that's time. And this is more. This is this is an, uh, uh, another. You know, I, I actually didn't present this data, but I because I, I, I 
I thought about it afterwards and how to how to figure out the time spent because if you have speed and you multiply or, or you, you divide the miles by the speed then you get time and this is where it's even more interesting now of course what is the fur what is again what is how does time per mile change because the, the, again the speed is low for short distances and it's going to be high for very long distances so, so let's say it goes up to 60, 70 miles an hour, an average for a long trip. But uh, mostly short trips are, are, are at slow speed, if you think about the urban environment. And so, I, I, again, I devised a curve based on some, some empirical data about, about how, how city bikes and taxis are, 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 you know, are traversing through New York. And again, this is very sketchy because... I don't have a lot of this data. I think over time we might be able to collect this and, and, and do this city by city. But if you, if you draw the speed curve, and uh, just to give you an idea of the uh, short distances in New York, here we go, uh, I've got here, um, like if you go two miles in New York City in a taxi, you're gonna be an average of eight miles an hour, which is pretty slow speeds. Um, uh, sorry, that's on the city bike. The city bike is eight miles an hour. The taxi is even slower. It's about five miles an hour. And, and th these speeds go down as you get closer to the short distance trip. So if you're go going only half a mile, the taxi is at four miles an hour, which is barely above walking speed. But that's, that's what people do in, in, in big cities. Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, um, obviously, they solve other jobs to be done like it's raining and I don't want to be running, walking in the rain. But, but, but the sort of principle... Congestion is yeah. a big one. Yeah, yeah. Congestion is a big one. So what, what I'm saying, though, is that I, I, I put another curve... And the curve begins at, you know, like, you know, something like around five miles an hour and goes up to 60 miles an hour. And, and this is, this is the, the, uh, and the 60 miles an hour is achieved when your trip distances are above 25 miles. So above 25 miles, I'm assuming people are able to maintain 60 miles an hour. It's actually very improbable, but I'm, I'm you know, sort of giving the, giving a bit more benefit to the, to the high speed there. Um, but if you do that, then you can start to calculate. Again, we've we've got dollars, we've got trips, we've got miles, and now we've got time, mm -hmm. seconds or minutes or hours. And it turns out that the amount of time spent in the short distance trips, by my calculation, is about 90 billion hours in the United States, whereas the long distance trips are 30 billion hours. And so here the the the, the parities is is even worse. In other words. We, that 15-mile threshold is favoring the car, oh, sorry, is favoring the, the micromobility by a ratio of three to one. So three times more time is spent on 15 miles or less than, than over 15 miles. And this is important if your business model for micromobility is to engage the user during that journey. A lot of people who think about autonomy, who think about the future of, autom of tra automobile transport is, is about really how do we engage the user during their journey? Because if they're not driving, they might be doing something else. And that's, I think, one of, one of you know, this Marchetti's constant of having a, a, an hour a day that is burned up, you staring out the window trying to not be frustrated by, by your driving work. Now suddenly you, you can use that time more productively or in an entertainment, entertaining way. And so the, the, here's, the, here's the interesting premise. Although we, you may not be eyes, eyes off the road in the micro vehicle, but these micro vehicles are actually going to be used for three times more time than, than the, 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 the cocoon vehicle that you might go long distance in. So, so here, here's, this is why uh, when I presented this, a lot of, you know, <laughs> I don't want to exaggerate, but there was a lot of commotion. Uh, because, uh, <laughs> and the crowd went wild. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is I mean, amazing. I didn't, uh, yeah, I mean, as you, as you, as you're talking through it, it's just, it's, it's incredibly profound because it's, you know, to your point around the fact that, that, that like when you see people navigate through a city, it's like, well, yeah, absolutely. When you think about it, you're driving through the city. Most of it's actually congestion. And it, and it harks back to that, that graph that we were talking about, I think, on uh, one of the earlier episodes about why people in Copenhagen bike. Well, they bike not because it's green or anything. It's like, no, it's the quickest way across the city. Um, yeah. yeah. It, 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 so, so the idea of, of saying 
okay, you've got parity in terms of miles, but if you were to ask, well, what is parity? Let's let's try to move that 15-mile break-even uh, in terms of, so like, where's parity for dollars? Where's parity for time? And you start to see, oh, you know, this is like, <laughs> I, I didn't calculate it for all of these, but I think I think in the case of, of uh, dollars, it's like 12 miles. So like, you know, if, if you were if you were at twelve mile or below, then then there's as much money there as there is thirteen miles and above. And if you were to ask about time, and I have I have to do that yet still to do that, but I would I would guess it's probably even even less, like ten miles. Yeah. So if you do all all trips less than ten miles uh, uh, add up in the same amount of time as all trips above ten miles. And so you can see, because of the log normal function, because it's squashed against up against zero, it just attracts so much. It it attracts the miles. It attracts the the usage. It attracts the dollars. It attracts the time. And so it, it, you know, it it it's a way. The the whole point of the presentation is not just to show. Oh yeah, most people most trips are short. It's putting. A figure on that in terms of uh, again uh, quantifying it by actual dollars and hours and 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 kilometers and so on. So and that's just what the United States and we can actually put this figure, which I use I used kind of a magnifying glass to identify these figures because they're so big. You know the digits are so long, so many of them that you kind of just look at the first two and you get these trillions and trillions. Are, are just kind of a shocking thing. It's how you can't get your head around trillions, but but the ratio between these. Um, and so, for example, the car, the car gets about half of the vehicle miles, but only thirty percent of the time and forty percent of the revenues. And that's, you know, again, assuming you can you can address this. And so the next stage of the discussion, uh, which I didn't yet prepare, this will be the next version of this talk, will be just how quickly are we getting there. And this is this is um, this is therefore the rate of adoption of miles of dollars of time, as we're trying to reach these trillions that I've I've cited. And the good thing is Michael Naka's work, or rather, I think his collaborator, uh, who is collecting data on how many trips does Uber have and how many trips does does Lime and 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 Bird and and Lyft. So he's he's collecting these kind of like how quickly these companies are sucking uh, 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 miles and 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 you know initially you measure trips because that's all they're going to publish but then if you know something about the trip distances you start to figure out okay this is how many miles they're 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 uh, they're serving and then after that you're going to calculate how many dollars they're capturing and then after that you're going to calculate how many hours they're capturing and as you plotting these trajectories and by the way these trajectories are are exponential as you're plotting these trajectories you're going to be able to forecast how long it's going to take for the penetration of this market to occur and this is the holy grail not only do we get an idea of how big it is, which is what I'm doing now, mm -hmm. we're going to get an idea of how quickly we can capture this, which is a very important indicator for capital, is an important indicator for policymakers, and it's an important indicator for entrepreneurs who say, look, you've got five years or you've got eight years or you've got 20 years. We don't quite know yet. Yep. I'll try to figure that out. But this is the beginning, the beginning of understanding of the market potential, the market addressability. And I know many people, when I first posted this uh you know micromobility uh slides which are by the way you can go go yeah to you can see them here. on uh on twitter i was yeah. just gonna i was actually gonna do a shout out on that yeah so you can go see what horace is mentioning <laughs> here all of these slides are public so you can go to SlideShare uh and then uh, type in micromobility you'll probably get a hit get this as the first hit and uh or maybe search by my name i don't know what, what works best but i think it's 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 right there. You can download these these uh, these visuals, and uh, and so the, the 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 whole point is that as we proceed now, and 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 oh, by the way, what so I was what I was saying is that when uh, when I pushed this out, a lot of people were saying, "Hang on a second, you know, yeah, yes, there's a there's parity at fifteen, but the, what are the chances 
that we're going to capture any meaningful percent of those trillions and trillions of miles. Well, that may be a, a valid concern because we're not there yet. But, but again, if you have something growing exponentially, as scooters are, if you have something growing exponentially, as 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 bike bike uh, systems are in China and other places as well, and perhaps e-bikes will follow. And as you've got the all of these things stack up on top of each other, and they become kind of the micro mobility is not one company, it's not one format or or form factor. It's going to be all of these swarming, all of these stacking up and stealing miles and stealing. Now, one more thing, and this is important. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is about substitutions. You know, so the assumption is that there's so many miles, and we're going to try to capture a percentage of that. But as it turns out, a lot of these new modes will create their own demand. Yeah. In other words, they're going to not substitute, but uh, you and, know, just induce demand. Yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. Yeah they're going to take trips they wouldn't have otherwise. And this is why um, if, if as we go forward, we may not see the incumbent, the car, actually lose all that many miles, uh, even though the entrants are just going gangbusters. So they're going to be, you know, just creating trillions of miles of travel. And then and the incumbents are going to be like, well, or you're going to see this in gas consumption. A lot of people I, I, I've received inbound saying, like, if you look at, uh, uh, at pollution statistics or, or, or oil consumption, it doesn't seem like there's any impact from, from, from these, these, uh, these new alternatives. And, and it will not be so because over time, as you compete with non-consumption and you're you, you know, you're, you're seducing the incumbents into saying, well, this doesn't affect us. Mm. It's just like cord cutting. For years and years when we were switching to mobile telephony, we just were not seeing the impact in terms of the number of landlines in use. Yeah. And then they just fell off a cliff. Yeah, completely. We're the same, <laughs> you know, we're seeing the same thing with cable television. And, you know, versus streaming. And so people are watching Netflix and, and doing all kinds of stuff online and YouTube. And, 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 and all the cable companies are saying, well, this is not affecting us. People still have subscription to cable. And so they kept raising their pricing and so on. And now we're finally seeing the, the, the you know, the avalanche or, or the just sort of the cliff diving that happens. Um, the, 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 this is typical of disruption. Disruption is painless for the incumbents for a long, long time, and therefore they don't react. You know, because if it was painful, there would be a reaction. Yeah, and it would be, you know, there would be a response, and typically they're lulled into a sense of security by the lack of apparent uh, erosion of their business. And so, I would say that you know it's important to get this analysis done in order to be able to quantify it. But but really, what's going to happen in the market is that this this will create its own demand. It will not really cause the incumbents to freak out, um, and and as a result, they'll just be you know waiting and waiting and waiting. And so we're, we're going to see we're going to see the the uh, kind of a, a uh, you know a, a nonlinearity to the whole process of of uh, response to this, even though it seems like it's going on very predictably. It's not. It, the response is not predictable. Anyway, it's a little bit. It's a. It's a little bit complicated. But I. I would say, you know, check out the slides uh, to understand what the basics are. And then, when you think about what really is going to happen, it's a little bit more nuanced. But we have to start somewhere. So that's what this is about. That's anyway, that's, this was the, that's really really yeah no no look this is really interesting and I'm aware we're sort of right at the very end. But um one part that I would love to at some stage go and explore is just the environmental impact around that because as you were sort of saying you know you 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 will see an impact on oil or energy use and transport. Uh, you won't see one. You won't see one. You won't see one, and then all of a sudden you might. And and that and you will yeah 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 and the part that I'm also just wondering is how much of that could you forecast if you look at somewhere like the Netherlands which already has you know 50% of its trips that are being done around Amsterdam or whatever um, same for Copenhagen and then you'd say oh yeah well actually what is the what is the oil consumption I'm just trying to think of how how we could forward forecast it, that it, but that's it, something we can come back it's to so, it's so tricky to one one member of a panel I, I'm sorry I don't remember his name he pointed out that the Danes which are big users of 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 cycling, 
um, actually have a very lousy carbon footprint uh, as, as a per capita number. And the reason was that uh, they became wealthy enough uh, that they would all go on holidays by getting on an airplane and <laughs> yeah. flying south. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's 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 you know shipping a whole country by air airplane down to Greece or Italy or or Spain is is not very very good for the environment. But uh, again, so we you know of course if you zoom out you might we might not see the environmental impact very quickly. But I think over time. This has to make an impact if trillions and trillions of miles are 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 made made electric and made you know bionic if if you will. I it's it. I'd like to. You can certainly put the figure on the carbon savings, which is by the way another thing we will have a lot of fun with at this analysis. Is I I can certainly see uh, a forecast here coming up from you know, from miles to like I said miles trips. Uh, uh, dollars, uh, time, and carbon—all of these are going to fall out of this whole uh, exercise. But, but it, it's still a question. Really, is because there are secondary effects about you know people still you know creating demand and 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 maybe displacing uh, you know trips to something else. So maybe we'll we'll have so much, so many of these existing trips are switching but then maybe people will feel that they have more leisure time and then they'll go off yeah and, yeah the 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 jevons something yeah yeah the jevons paradox but, but, <laughs> yeah yeah yep. that, that's the problem but but i i i think it's something worth doing anyway so that's it i i i think we've already kind of used up our our hour almost um so what do you think? Oh, no, no, no. I thought this was excellent. Yeah, no, super, super profound. I mean, I think uh, just just as I kind of go through it, it's like, especially the amount of time in micromobility is just um, when you when you really start to understand the implications of that and how and how our cities are currently mapped out and what that'll what that'll shift like, I think it's just going to. Yeah. Well, as I say, it's profound. So. Um, All right. Excellent. Thanks very much, Harris. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk next time. Excellent.